0: Don't rush me I just want a little more time Everyone grows colder We all just want to start again Don't rush me I Hey, hey, welcome back to Confessions of an Ex-Mormon. I'm Allie, your host, and... I had a lot of ideas about what to talk about today. This is episode number two, and um, if you go back and listen to my first episode, you'll hear a short story on my life in Mormonism, but like a really shortened version, and I got a lot of great feedback, so thanks everybody, but the, the main feedback I got was that people wanted to hear more, so give the people what they want. Um and today, I am going to focus on kind of the turning point for me in Mormonism, which was my LDS mission. So, serving a mission in Mormonism is different than missions in other religions. Um, I I think when other people in other religions serve missions, it's like pretty short, you know, maybe a few weeks to a few months. They oftentimes, I don't think, have to pay as much. They, it's usually, it is usually self funded from what I'm aware of, but, um, they, uh, tend to be shorter and more flexible. Sounds like you have a lot of community service and those types of things that you're doing. But Mormon missions are a whole nother world. So let me explain a little bit how missions work at least back when I served a mission. So for a period of 18 months for a girl or two years for a boy, you leave the house uh, wherever the church wants you to go. They tell you where to go. It can be somewhere within your home country or outside of your home country. And you, uh, at that time, were not allowed to have any contact with your family other than emails once a month and phone calls twice a year uh, for about an hour and a half. So it's really isolated. You're totally dependent on the members of the church that are surrounding you and other people who are also serving missions. Um, You also pay for the whole thing yourself. It's been sort of standardized so that everybody pays the same fee, but it ends up being... Oh, I want to say around like $10,000, something pretty high for that period of time. And you pretty much, and you live really poor the whole time you're there too. There's no like fun involved. You get one, you get half a day off, uh, every week. And during that half day off, it's not really a day off. It's when you do all your chores, like your grocery shopping and your laundry and, um, anything else like that you need to do at, if I had any spare time, it was usually about one hour on my day off and we would end up playing like basketball with other missionaries, which I hate doing anyway. Um, we'll get into that. So just picture like working for a year and a half straight. Um, I listened to a podcast once that talked about like the money making behind this. Um, because what, what you're doing as a missionary is you're knocking on doors and Most of the time and like, or contacting people on the streets and trying to get them to convert, uh, or at least just like talk about Jesus. And, um, then Mormons also give 10% of their income if you're an active Mormon to the church. So this just, they are making a lot of money off of missionaries. It's crazy. Um, but We'll, maybe we'll get into more, into that uh, after I do some more research, I can get into that another day. Uh, but today I just wanted to tell my story a little bit as a missionary, since that seems to be really the turning point in my, my life cycle as a Mormon. So, uh, I had always been a really active member of the church growing up, and then, uh... And when I went to college, I was also surrounded by many active members of the church, and they lowered the missionary age to 19, and I was about 18 and a half when they did that. So it really gave me the opportunity to to go. I had always expected to be married by the time I was 21, because that's really normal in Mormon culture, and my mom was married at like 20 or 21, and... I think my grandparents were and just a lot of people I knew. So when I was 18 um, and they lowered the missionary age to uh, 19 for girls, I had what I believed to be a spiritual witness from God telling me that I needed to go and proclaim the gospel to his children. So I... Submitted the paperwork to, uh, become a missionary, and I was asked to go to San Diego, California. And before you get too excited, um, San Diego's beautiful for vacationing, but this was anything but a vacation. And, um, so it, it, it was a, it was a beautiful place to live, but, um, it was not a good experience for me. So, I get the mission call and, um, something interesting too about my mission is I was actually a visitor center missionary. So, uh, Mormon, the Mormon church has several visitor centers around the world. Usually they are located near temples, the big white castles that Mormons have. They call them their temples. Um, and, as a non-member, you're actually not allowed to go inside of those buildings. So they'll have visitor centers on the outside of those buildings where you can, like, learn about the church and, like, hey, what's inside there? Why can't I go in? Um, San Diego is a little different, though, as Mormons were some of the first settlers of San Diego. So they had a historic site teaching about some of the history of the city and how Mormons helped to... Uh, settle the area. So my mission was kind of a hybrid of like working at this historical site as a tour guide, and then also doing the normal missionary stuff where I would knock doors and, um, preach to people on the street and those sorts of things. So, uh, when I entered the MTC, I was completely unprepared for what was going to happen. Nobody really tells you, the daily life of a missionary, I don't think anyone is really ever fully prepared. So, um, anyone listening that is, you know, getting ready to go, <laughs> just, um, hear me out here. It is, it's so hard. And, um, I, I, I now believe that it was a waste of my time and I'm, I'm angry about it. But, uh, regardless of whether you are a believer or not, it is, it's going to be the, the most difficult two years of your life, in my opinion. So uh, they also love to say within the church that it will be the best two years of your life. There's like even a movie about it called the best two years and it, uh, it makes it look so wonderful, but, um, let's get into why it was so difficult for me. So when you entered the MTC, the missionary training center, uh, everything is, everything just changes immediately. So Um, all the rules of a regular missionary begin to apply and let's just go over some of these rules together, shall we? Uh, first of all, no cell phones, um, no access to internet of any kind, actually. Uh, well, actually mormon.org, I think you could get on at the time. Um, but only at specific times, like those days off that I was talking about, you'd get like one hour a week to do that. Uh, you also, uh, so I had gone from being, you know, a normal, young adult, having my phone with me 24-7 to none at all. Of course, the internet on phones those days was not as great. I served from 2013 to 15, so smartphones were just sort of becoming popular within, like, uh, the average person's budget. Before then, it was like just the rich kids that all had it, but um, I had, like, had a smartphone for like a year at that point. Anyway... um, I remember being in the MTC and constantly feeling ghost vibrations in my pocket. Cause I mean, if you're like me and the rest of the world, your phone has been on vibrate for like 10 years now. Like it's just not, (laughs) it's never on the sound. So I would get these ghost vibrations in my pocket and I think, Oh, my cell phone. And then it wasn't there. So, um, I'm in the MTC and, uh, uh, another interesting fact about, uh, missionaries is you have a companion or someone that they pair you up with, you get no choice in the matter. They just put you with somebody. And this can, you can be with that person for any time from six weeks to six months, just dependent, but that starts in the MTC. And, um, you have to be within what's called sight and sound of this person at all times, unless you are like using the bathroom. So, uh, you you know, imagine you are in the same, like, hallway, and you're going to turn the corner, uh, and you do turn the corner, but she can't see you, we would, like, stick our arm out so that our companion could see our fingers so we were still in sight and sound of this person. (laughs) It was really silly. Um, so, all of those rules begin. Also, the rules of when to uh, wake up and go to bed and eat are all laid out for you. So uh, I have been a night owl my whole life. If you talk to my mother, she will confirm. In fact, the other day, I had a phone call with her. Um, I'm living on the other side of the world right now, and she called me, and it was 3.30 a.m. here, and she was like, yeah, I knew you'd be awake. <laughs> I keep thinking you're going to get on an adult sleep schedule, but you never do. And I was like, thanks mom. (laughs) So, um, they were putting us to bed at 1030 and we'd have to get up at 630, which, um, it didn't like, it, it didn't work. I mean, I did it for a year and a half, but, um, there were repercussions to going so far off of my, uh, natural circadian rhythm. And we'll get into that too. Um, but i remember in the mtc it's like a it's like a boot camp for spirituality and it is so exhausting spiritually if you can say that and uh, you, just like a week in so many kids have the same issue as me but just like a week in you're i was you know questioning not just is mormonism the right thing but is god even real like and this hap- i I've, I've talked to so many people that this happens to and then all of them talk about some big amazing aha moment that they had that like yeah he is there um that didn't happen for me but i stayed because i'm very stubborn and uh i i should probably go but I should probably mention one more thing too before we get too far into it that um I and I may have mentioned this in the last episode but I had been on anxiety medication for most of my life um from the time I was like 12 and I had decided to go off of it when I served my mission I had this idea that you know the, well, well, you know, Mormons preach, and all Christian religions really preach that the closer you are to God, the happier you'll be. And I figured that uh, if I was just really, really faithful, it would cure my anxiety and my depression. And since I'd be a missionary, and I would be basically like a nun, um, I was going to be cured of all of these ailments. So I just went off of my medication. Um, I did have. A An official from the church called me and advised me not to do that. Um, but I was a stubborn teenager and I was like, no, I'll be fine. Like, God will cure me. So anyway, moving on. We're in the MTC. I'm freaking out. Uh, I also, this is when the eating disorder begins. Uh, I feel like I had a normal, a fairly normal body image and, um, eating habits growing up, I would say, uh, just your average teenager, you know, you get anxious about your body sometimes and everybody does. Right. But I, I never really struggled with, with it, uh, interfering into my daily life like I did, um, while I was a missionary. So it started really in the MTC, uh, Lots of just thoughts about food and, um, like calorie intake, calorie expenditure, uh, lots of binging, no purging. I didn't really have the opportunity because, um, because your companion was always outside the bathroom waiting and listening. And I also thought that that was a sin. And so I didn't want to do that. Um, but there was a lot of guilt associated with food. Um, and I did gain probably like five or eight pounds while I was in the MTC. They have notoriously bad nutrition in, uh, that place as well. Like just, it's just like cafeteria food. So, uh, after I think it was three weeks, maybe four weeks of training In the missionary training center, we flew out to our mission field, uh, which was San Diego. I was with a group of like six other girls and, uh, in the, I remember flying in on the day of the mission, um, being really anxious and, uh, they put me with a girl for the night before I got my companion the next day and, the girl was a sweet girl, but she had, uh, severe anxiety. And, um, I, I could, f- sh- she did not hide it well. She, pro- it was really pro- being projected, um, onto me. And I remember having a panic attack that night and, uh, just crying myself to sleep and thinking, oh no, dear God, what have I done? Uh, like, I don't think I can do this for a year and a half. Uh, It was one of the worst nights of my life. (laughs) Um, Then uh, when I got my first companion, um, this girl was 26 years old, I think, and I was 18. So that's already a really big difference in uh, age, but also our attitudes were so completely different. Uh, She had a... Good heart, I think, but um she, you know she was she was always really nice to me, but uh our personalities were so different, and i I was led to believe that to be like a good missionary, I had to be just like her you know she never said that in fact, I think she told me otherwise, but um she. She was just about to leave. She'd been there for the whole year and a half and everybody really admired her and loved her and looked up to her. And, um, when I say we were really different, I mean that she was like a very, uh, how to put this, like soft-spoken, um, kind of, how would I put this? Uh, not kindly. OCD, um... Had to have things as just a certain way, you know, uh, really tightly wound. If that's <laughs> the right way to put it, and um, I, so I had a hard time with that, and um, we, so I didn't feel like I had a friend. I was with her for twelve weeks, and um, she definitely trained me well, but it set the precedent for. Being for, again, for, um, I think how sick I would get. And, uh, the mission president is the one who puts you with your companions. And they always talk about how they pray about who they're supposed to put you with. And, um, uh, there's only one other girl that I think would have been worse to put me with as a trainer. So, um, there's that. (laughs) And that was the one that I spent the first night with. So. One other tidbit about the mission that I find interesting and strange. Not only do you have this white handbook that tells you when to get up in the morning, when to eat, when to exercise, when to go to bed, those types of things, but uh, your mission president can also create rules. And (laughs) one of my favorite rules was uh, my... I had two mission presidents. It changed like halfway through my mission. And, uh, my second mission president made it a rule that for our exercise in the morning, we had to run. Now, I hate cardio. I've hated it my whole life. I was born with club foot, which, uh, you can look up, but essentially I was born crippled. I had to have surgery on two surgeries on my feet and wear braces like Forrest Gump. And, um, I've never been a runner. And then I also had scoliosis and I had to have a spinal fusion when I was 17. So, um, I struggle with sports in general, but, uh, recently in the last couple of years, I have had found like a, actually a really deep love for weightlifting. <laughs> so I do that a lot now, but, um, at the time I was just doing, Like they make you exercise for, it was like 30 or 30 minutes or something in the morning. And, um, I would get up and I would, you know, walk or I would, uh, do jumping jacks or push ups or sit-ups. Like I always tried to do some form of exercise. I never laid around, but, um, I am convinced that runners think that they are gods and that they believe that it is the. Uh, the most holy form of exercise. So, um, yes, I am throwing tons of shade on you runners. Um, but I think it's well deserved. <laughs> so, uh, this marathon runner mission president decides to make it a rule that every missionary has to run in the morning. And so I believing that if I don't run the entire 30 minutes in the morning, <laughs> that God will not send me uh, his chosen people that like, it will be my fault. The spirit will not be with me and it will be my fault if these people go to hell because I didn't run for 30 minutes in the morning. And yes, that is how they condition you to think. So I would do that. And, uh, you know, I, I think I passed out once. Um, and I think I threw up a couple times and it was like, so just, uh, I still hate running like running for nine months did not make me a runner. It was so I I hate running anyway. That was, that's another fun little tidbit. Um, the, the rules are just ridiculous. They, they, they make you believe that if you are not exactly obedient, that you, uh, will not have the spirit with you. And like I said, then, you know, You're not going to be able to follow the promptings to, I don't know, say the exact right thing that's going to get these people to, uh, to believe. It's just, it's so much pressure on, um, on such a young mind. And I think it really was bringing people to the breaking point. So I I hope that that's changed, but I, I don't know if it has. So, um, one other thing I should mention too about my mission in particular as a, uh, Mormon battalion historic site, visitor's center tour guide, (laughs) whatever you wanted to call me. Uh, we had half of the time, probably less than half of the time allotted to us, in our uh, in the mission field as the other missionaries but we were expected to have the same numbers meaning um they kept track of the people that you taught on a weekly basis and uh how many you baptized per month and things like that so there was a lot of extra pressure also uh we had really specific times that we had to be there at the visitor center to give the tours and things like that. And, uh, so we didn't get the same amount of time as other missionaries to study. Other missionaries were given about an hour and a half to study in the mornings. Uh, we had about 20, 30 minutes most of the times. Um, we also were. I usually didn't have a lunch break. I think so. There's a there's a three there was a three month uh, portion of my mission where I did not serve at the Mormon Battalion. They let you pre- like see what it's like to be a regular full time missionary for three months. And during that time, I would take naps during my lunch break because I was so deprived of sleep, as I mentioned earlier. And those three months were like the best three months of my mission, um, besides the fact that I missed the, uh, the girls, um, from the, the, from the historic site, but, uh, I was so sleep deprived, um, I was probably getting about seven hours of sleep a night, but it was, like, really awful sleep, because I was so stressed out, um, I was having nightmares all the time, I would wake up with Charlie horses in my leg, which has never happened to me before or since. That only happened while I was there. Uh, There was also kind of a weird stigma in the mission for girls who were part of the historic site. I think that the other sisters didn't like us because we had some really strong bonds with each other because we all lived in the same building and we worked together really closely every day. So um, I remember people telling me about other sisters who would gossip about me. In fact, there was, (laughs) there was a sister missionary. This is so crazy. She was in the same mission as me. This never happens by the way. This is so rare, but she was in the same mission as me. And we had been neighbors growing up and we were there at the same time, but I was at the visitor center and she was not. And, um, one of the visitor center girls got, paired up with her for like three months and she came back and told me all this trash talk that this girl had talked about me. And I was like, well, that's really wonderful. What another, like, (laughs) another like service, someone in the service of God should be saying about me. So that was great. Love her. So, um, then, uh, let's see what else was weird about the Mormon battalion. Oh yeah, we had to dress in pioneer clothes. Did I mention that? We were dressed like pioneers, um, because it was in Old Town San Diego and it's still there and it's actually a really lovely tour. So if you get the chance and you're in Old Town San Diego, I mean, give it, give it a whirl. The girls are, you know, they're doing what they think is right and they're probably really fucking miserable. So go give them a smile and (laughs) Uh, get yourself a free tour about some history. But uh, yeah, those three months that I was talking about earlier where they send you off to be uh, a missionary full time. I was paired up for the first six weeks of it with a girl who had suffered from an eating disorder in her youth and she picked up on it immediately. So I didn't actually know what was wrong with me. And that was really the, what was so scary. Um, if you think about it logically, like you can figure it out. And if you, I guess if I were to tell someone my symptoms, which she just saw them and figured it out, but nobody else really knew what to look for. And so I remember like praying in the mornings and asking God, um, if he would just help me to think of him and like if, so that I didn't focus so much on like food and my body and I could like be, I could just be focused and, um, I just wanted to serve him and focus on my scriptures and things like that. And, um, of course it never worked. Um, and that was really like a, the beginning for me of my beliefs now, which are like, if there is a God, I'm, I consider myself pretty agnostic at this point, but like, if there is a God, he doesn't touch anything. Like he's just, he just made us and then left it be. But, um, when I got put with this girl, (laughs) First of all, one of the first things she ever said to me was, um, oh, you're like really pretty. I thought you were going to be mean, (laughs) which I don't know if that was supposed to be a compliment or what, but I was like, okay. So, um, she then proceeds to like call me out and be like, you have an eating disorder. And I was like, oh, okay. And, um, so I was pretty much struggling with, I, I, I mean, I've done research now and I consider it like EDNOS, like eating disorder, not otherwise specified because I wasn't exactly anorexic. I was still eating enough to sustain me, but I was really concerned about like what it was that I was putting in my body. So I really only wanted like whole foods. And, um, I would have like really, really bad anxiety when we would go to, um, like a, a member's house and they would offer us dessert and we weren't supposed to say no. It's like in the rule book that we're not supposed to say no, unless we have like an allergy because you're not supposed to be rude. Um, so I, uh, I, <sighs> I had, like, a lot of anxiety around food in that way, and then, like, binging and restriction and things like that. It did feel good to put, finally put a name to the face. Like, um, I finally kind of realized what was going on, but, um, I didn't know how to fix it. Also, in conjunction with my anxiety, I started to get these really severe um, stomach pains, uh, which I can only describe now. And as well, the way I described it then too was like lava in my stomach. So I would feel hunger pains, but I would also feel these stabbing pains. And if I ate, it made it worse. And then um, I would get like really severe heartburn and I wouldn't digest well sometimes I would feel like I needed to throw up. I would get diarrhea a lot. And then, um, I would just like, spam. suddenly I'd be hungry again. And so it was just stomach pains for like months on end that I couldn't seem to get fixed. Um, so after that period was when I returned back to the mormon battalion um this was a little bit over halfway through my mission and i got put with that sister missionary who i had spent the very first night with and who i had literally prayed my entire mission not to be put with (laughs) she uh was extremely anxious and um a little bit socially awkward and i couldn't seem to connect with her in any way. Uh, She tried really hard. She was a really sweet soul, and um, I love her for that, and I love her as a person, but I felt so lonely in that time because of uh, just who I was with. I felt pretty lonely, actually, my entire mission. Uh, I had one companion who I felt really connected with, and and then pretty much all the others, I, I felt pretty lonely. So that period was... Really awful, and again, I was thinking to myself, like, uh, am, you know why am I being put through this, and why I'm just I'm so miserable every day, all the time?" Uh, there were like little blips of joy, and I look I look back on it now, and I think, "Poor, poor Allie!" Like uh, I remember keeping a gratitude journal. I specifically started it because I felt so miserable and I thought and I had heard things about like keeping a gratitude journal will help me feel better. And, um, I remember one time writing in my journal that like a butterfly had flown past me and like, I knew God had sent me the butterfly (laughs) to make my day happier, which is like so sad. And, uh, Another thing about the mission, they had, I mentioned this in the last episode, but, um, they had told us not to write home about hard times, um, because, like, our family, we, it's just, like, worrying our families for no reason, and, uh, there's nothing they can really do about it anyway, and, you know, we wouldn't get a response for a week, because we could only email them once a week, and, um, So I wasn't really confiding in anyone and I wasn't writing it in my journal because I only wanted to write nice things in my journal. And, um, so yeah, I got really, really sick. I ended up losing like 15 pounds, which I didn't have a lot to lose. Uh, I went home at probably like 105 pounds, which is the smallest I've ever been just to compare. I think I weigh like 125 now and I'm in like great shape. I feel I feel fantastic. Um, so I was really small and, um, when I remember when the mission ended, um, I had, I bounced back almost immediately feeling better. Like the eating disorder got resolved really quickly. Those, those stomach aches went away. And, uh, I, I thought to myself, like, wow, you know, our, like these, this church teaches that the closer we are to God, the happier we're supposed to be. But I was so miserable and so sad that whole time. And, and, and that was, that's, that's really kind of everything that is, that changed it for me, um, A lot of members of the Mormon Church leave when they start to look deeper into the history and the doctrine. And uh, I I feel like my journey was a lot different. Reading stuff about the history and the doctrine uh, can be confusing because, you know, it's, it's old history. It's a few hundred years old. It's not that old, but it's old. And it's hard to know what the truth is and what isn't. Um, there are things in the past that the church has come out and said that's not true, and now they say it is, and uh, things that they used to try to keep hush-hush, and now they're coming more out with it so that it doesn't look so weird when people look it up. And um, I... I'm not comfortable with a lot of the things in the history of the church, but I also don't know what's fact and what's fiction. So I try to follow now what I feel on the inside. And, um, so that's been kind of my journey. And, uh, that was my, that was my mission, which was really the turning point. So, um, I'd love to, I actually, I, I want to have some of the other sister missionaries from my mission on here at some point to kind of discuss, because I have now that I've posted this, the, this podcast, I've actually had a few of them reach out to me and some of them have left the church. And some of them were even questioning things on the mission, similar to me. And, uh, so I think that, that would be a really interesting episode and probably what's going to come in the next couple of months. But uh, thanks for listening, guys, and um, for being here. Feel free to shoot me any emails with questions you have or episodes that you'd like to hear. You can find me on Instagram at Confessions of an Exmo. And um hope to hear from you soon, and I will see you next time. Thanks, guys.